Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 143 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Jennifer Bishop. Jennifer Bishop is Private Sector Partnerships Manager, VSO. She engages companies around their corporate responsibility and sustainability agenda, and their HR and employee engagement agenda to create high-impact corporate volunteering and pro bono programs. VSO is the world's leading NGO, which delivers international development programs globally through volunteers. Business volunteers play a significant role in VSO programs, developing the capabilities of entrepreneurs, job seekers, and not-for-profit partners in these global programs, while in turn developing the volunteers into corporate leaders who have global perspectives and skills. Jennifer is passionate about sustainable business and social enterprise and the crossover between business and community programs. She has a BA in English Literature and a Master of Education and Master of Divinity. Her background is in migrant and refugee literacy and NGO management. In 2014, she founded Resonate Consulting, a small firm to connect corporates to community pro bono projects, and in 2017, founded the Australian Pro Bono Network, a collection of companies working together to develop impactful pro bono and skilled volunteering programs. She has lived in London since February 2018 and is enjoying the food and the buzz of living in a global hub city. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Jennifer's insights into pro bono and skilled volunteering opportunities within the social sector, and we'll get Jennifer's thoughts on successful collaborations alongside tips for social entrepreneurs. So Jennifer, thanks very much for joining us. Hey Tom, thanks for having me. So to kick things off, Jennifer, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to working between the not-for-profit, corporate and social enterprise sectors? Yeah, thanks. I worked in the non-profit sector for quite a long time and increasingly saw just need from non-profits constantly trying to reach out to funders, to corporates, just for an awareness. And then a friend of mine was working in the corporate sector in finance. She complained to me, said, you know, they had a pot of money that they were trying to give away and actually found it really hard to find an NGO to give the money to. And I just actually heard that a few times from different corporates where they actually, you know, they had resources, they had pro bono, but they found it really hard to find NGOs to give away to. And I just thought this tension was just total contradiction, you know, both sectors needing something or wanting to connect and, and them not being able to reach out to each other. So that was really the genesis of the Resonate consulting model back in 2014. Obviously, it's iterated quite a lot over the last four years or so and really kind of landed down as a consulting model where just kind of reaching out to corporates, reaching out to NGOs and seeing how we can match them together. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, but that's been quite a journey because I went through a social enterprise incubator program in Brisbane back in 2014 to kind of test this model and have really kind of played with different service models to make that work, to figure out where the value is landing for both the NGO and for the corporate to make that an affordable service. Fantastic. So have you got any key projects that you want to share that you've run through Resonate? Yeah, we, we have a couple of products, I guess. One is a workshop or we call them like a hackathon or marathon is another word that some people might use. That's kind of a done-in-a-day model which really suits corporates that are time poor but might have um, a day that they like to give to the community. And that's really where it's a, it's a lab model where we bring a problem from an NGO into a, the boardroom or into a workshop with a, with a corporate, use the corporate brains, kind of solve a problem, kind of create a bit of a roadmap or blueprint of a solution and then send the nonprofit back with that resource, kind of implement that. That has great effect, but it, as you can imagine, it's kind of limited in its impact and often the NGO is left with a lot of work to do after the, the workshop. So um, another thing we work on is a kind of a more long-term mentoring model where we'll do a similar kind of scoping project that might last a day, but then match the, a corporate mentor or professional with that NGO to kind of check in and, and follow milestones through maybe over a three business month. And so it just kind of allows a bit of a follow-up for the NGO, um, kind of a continued relationship with the corporate we also just do mentoring, social entrepreneur mentoring, so matching a miscellaneous business mentor with a social entrepreneur to help them perhaps um, brainstorm, um, think about their business model and help them to consider new networks and resources. Um, so there's there's quite a few ways actually that we found have worked, but those are three. Yeah. Fantastic, Jennifer. So. In working in the corporate sector, have you noticed any trends within that corporate sector when it comes to running ethically and committing to tackling social and environmental issues? Yeah, it's been a really interesting journey learning about corporates because I don't I don't come from a corporate background. And things I've been observing is like a real adoption of the SDGs as a, as a framework of thinking about impact, um, of design of things like corporate sustainability programs, corporate social responsibility programs, ways of thinking of the foundation, corporate foundation and how that might work. And that becomes a real shared language between the corporates and nonprofits. It's something that, that really both sectors can grasp and really kind of talk to each other about. And that becomes a good criteria of matching because, you know, with shared goals, obviously there's shared vision, shared understanding. Definitely finding companies reaching out more to find out particularly about pro bono and corporate volunteering and how to embed that into their sustainability programs. And that's a real positive resonate for where we're positioning ourselves. Mm. Um, yeah, a bit of a global trend, really. I think back five, ten years ago, really it was legal pro bono that was very well known and an industry that was developed and increasingly seeing events and articles and conversation topics from services and other other sectors really kind of inquiring how they can do more skill volunteering I think just sustainable businesses I think since the G 
GFC. So for the last, what, 10 years, it's very much at the top of companies' minds, whether they like it or not. Really to think, A, how are we, how are we behaving sustainably in a way that perhaps we're not going to face another GFC? And also how are we attracting and retaining staff? How are we appealing to our employees, particularly millennials coming in with a new wave of the workforce? How are we perceived to be purpose-driven or mission-driven and therefore an attractive option to our employees in a competitive marketplace? And so, therefore, yeah, how are we kind of embedding our mission into who we are? How are we offering these extra things such as maybe secondments or community placements? How are we seen as a fair workplace? And again, that comes back to embedding the SDGs into to a lot of the language around the company. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you've got a, a lot of experience, Jennifer, in developing and creating partnerships. So how do you go about approaching new partnerships and what do you think are the keys to successful collaborations? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's it can be really, really hard because as you can imagine the culture of the corporate sector and the nonprofit sector can be so divergent in many ways. And so real partnerships is something that can do. It takes a lot of a lot of hard work. I've seen it work in a few really good situations. I think the first key is to have real champions and drivers that really own the partnership. And that really has to come from the top down. So when a CEO really grabs it or when a senior partner in a firm really owns it, then that makes it um, achievable for a lot of people beneath them. Mm. And I say that because often when, say, uh, corporate sustainability, corporate social responsibilities staff member or an employee engagement staff member kind of would like to engage with this, one of their challenges is internal blockers within their company. So they might have challenges getting people, their seniors, to sign off on this. Yeah. And so getting senior leadership, like buy-in really early, is really, really key to a partnership. Mm. You know, as I mentioned earlier, things like, you know, shared vision and mission is really important. So understanding that kind of both interested in SDG 5, for example, which gender or SDG 8, which is that resilient, you know, livelihoods. And so therefore going, okay, we're, we're both on this same mission to kind of co-create something. And I'm seeing it more and I'm more and more impressed, but a real kind of humbleness, I think, on both sides to really learn from each other. I think partnerships can be really hard when either side has perhaps a I know how this should be done approach yeah. and, you know, kind of might think typically the corporate is the one that says, okay, well, we've got the money, we've got the leverage, you know, kind of do what we want. But sometimes actually, and often the case, the corporate is quite humble and would like to just help and like to be guided and how to help them. It's the NGO that might not be that. Kind of um, flexible or uh, understanding. So I think it kind of it does need to come from both sides. Kind of saying, okay, in our respective fields, you're the expert. I'm going to listen to you. I, I want to learn from you and understand how, how that's best to kind of create kind of impact in this space. I, I can I can take back a lot of knowledge from this kind of partnership. Yeah. So I, I think they're kind of high level things. There's a lot more in the nuts and bolts on how partnerships work. Yeah. There's certainly some great reflections, Jennifer. So what do you see as some of the most important traits then of social entrepreneurs? I mean, you've worked with many and, and matched many up. And why do you believe that 
some social entrepreneurs commonly fail? Ah, again, a really good question. I think I can only speak from my experience as someone who came into social entrepreneurship with no background in business. And I think one of my biggest challenges, and I, I wouldn't say failure, but huge hurdle is that I've come with good intention and not a lot of practical experience. And I think there's just a lot of nuts and bolts and thinking and planning that, that comes with business. It's, it's like a, a roadmap, a framework in your mind. And I think if you come with a with business experience and learn the social impact side, I think you set up a lot more for success in social entrepreneurship rather than coming with a social impact mm. um, background and trying to learn the business skills. Yeah. Um, but it's not impossible and, I'm, and I think you know, there's lots of people learning as they go, including myself. So I, I guess I'd say the most important traits would be a drive to learn, a, a curiosity, a passion for what you want to achieve and a, you know, a never give up kind of attitude because it can be so disheartening when you might feel that I should be successful by now or I should have achieved certain things by now. And it feels like other people are kind of streaking ahead and, and I'm not. It's really like, well, no, no. Everyone has a different ground zero from where they're coming from. Yeah. Some people kind of can, can hit the road running and really kind of create a business within six months that's kind of soaring and other people might take years to get it going. So I don't know, is there a high rate of failure amongst social entrepreneurs? I'm not sure. I think people are really biting off a big job when they start a social enterprise because it's not just a business that's just got to make money. Yeah. It's a business that has to make money but also has to create social impact and, and it, so it's kind of immediately trying to juggle kind of different and hopefully complementary priorities but um, doing both is not easy and then achieving any kind of scale with that is, is really, really hard. So I think, again, that comes back to passion, drive, curiosity to learn, open-mindedness. Yeah, all great traits which have been mentioned in many cases before as well, Jennifer. So it's great to hear them coming from you as well. So Jennifer, you have some great experience working in both the Australian and UK sectors. So what would you say are the key differences then between the two countries when it comes to the sort of work that you do? Yeah, it's really interesting. I've been in the UK now nearly a year and I've been working for about 10 months. So I'm, I must say I'm still learning the UK sector and just really mapping it and understanding how companies work here. I mean, one tangible difference is the UK feels a lot more connected to the world, as in the UK is right in the heart of Europe, so there's a much more sense of kind of business done cross borders. There's a sense of being much closer to the US, so therefore... Um, People just come for meetings from New York, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, whereas in Australia, it felt really much more like we were a domestic market that was kind of doing things. And then there's the rest of the world out there. And Australia is a very international country, you know, with trading with Asia and, and evolved globally. But I definitely had a sense of just being further away from everything in Australia. Mm. So that's one key difference. I'd say in the pro bono space, Having kind of worked now with the Australian pro bono network and being a part of the global pro bono network and pro bono networks in the UK and North America, what's really exciting about Australia is it's being led by companies. So the corporates are really owning it and driving the pro bono agenda. 
So, for example, just last just last week, I was on a on a call with seventeen people from different companies leading the working group to drive two thousand and nineteen. On, on how we want to grow a network of pro bono professionals in Australia. Mm. And that's really exciting. Yeah. What I observe in the UK and, and globally is that network is being driven by intermediaries like Resonate. So it's, you know, it's people who sit between the corporate and the NGO who, who gather at conferences and talk about how to do pro bono. And a big point of their conversation is how do we get more companies to do this? Yep. How do we persuade companies that this is a good? How do we get them to see the business benefit or to think about in- employee engagement or think about the SDGs? You know, it's almost like it's our role to persuade companies to do this. Yeah. Whereas in Australia, it's the companies leading it, and they're saying how do we encourage more companies to do this? So that's a really, I'd say that's a real kind of on the back to Australia because you know it's it's kind of a different culture there, and I think that's a really exciting thing. Absolutely, some great perspective there, Jennifer. So, in working with a range of different projects, then did you want to perhaps tell our listeners a few inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you believe are creating some great positive social change? Yeah, I think now I've been working with VSO. I've seen some amazing projects done through pro bono and skilled volunteering, like just on a scale that I have never seen before. And and it's really kind of blown my mind. Like, you know, like the the intro said, you know, VSO is a leading global NGO that works entirely through volunteers. Mm. So it does international development entirely through volunteering. So, you know, the business volunteering component is only a part of that, but that, when, when business volunteers do engage, they're creating really interesting projects. And I think a case study to share would be, you know, there's a global HR firm, Randstad. I believe they're actually now the leading global HR firm in mm. the world. And they send every year um, probably 50 volunteers globally to VSO programs, particularly India and East Africa. But um, Runstad as a HR company have identified that employment, particularly youth employment and employability, is something that they that they've selected as their SDG, as their goal, as their mission. And so, because all of their staff in their day job are, are thinking about HR sourcing and employment and getting people into jobs, part of their kind of missional impact of that is sending people on secondments into. Um, some of our vocational training programs in East Africa and in India mm. to do HR and employment kind of training initiatives, both with young people, so to directly with beneficiaries, so social entrepreneurs, micro entrepreneurs in East Africa, but also then with the, the vocational training institute staff. So it's capacity building with, with like train the trainer basically. And, um, and that's a really impactful program where the company is using their unique business proposition and their staff to create um, change directly in the community. And that's a long-standing partnership. That's about a 15-year partnership between VSO and Runstad. Mm. And there's there's multiple other projects I could list. You know, uh, agri-based firm working with you know farmers in Bangladesh to create sustainable farming practices or London bankers going and working with social entrepreneurs in Kenya. 
yeah, you know, consulting firms going and doing amazing consulting projects in, in India and Southeast Asia. And yeah, I guess what I'm seeing now is not just pro bono and corporates connecting with the community, but corporates creating development impact in the community. Mm. That's what's really exciting and the kind of the next level of learning. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that sounds like some excellent initiatives, and it's great to hear of these uh, these large companies like Randstad. They're really sending some some resource over there and and, and doing their bit to help out with a few projects. Jennifer, yeah. do you have any events coming up uh, that our audiences might be able to attend? Yeah, so the Australian Pro Bono Network is gearing up to host another event this year probably in September, so I might share that with you a little bit down the track when we've got a date. And so um, Australian corporates that are listening who might be interested could definitely attend. That'll be in Sydney. In London, uh, VSO has partnered with a group called IAVE, the International Association for Volunteering Effort. We're a global volunteer peak body. We're co-hosting a corporate volunteering forum in London in April, um, on April the 10th and the 11th at Canary Wharf, so right in the corporate kind of heartland of mm. London in Credit Suisse. It's a two-day forum, a kind of gathering of corporates. It's, again, by corporates, for corporates to talk about case studies and best best practice and all the tricky things like impact measurement and yep. engaging HR and, you know, using the SDGs and how to overcome challenges and failures, those kinds of things. So that, that if anybody's listening from the UK and would like to attend a corporate forum in, in London, that would be a really excellent opportunity to connect. So I think... We'll share a link or something to that if people want to know more about that. Absolutely. I'll stick one in the article. So to finish off then, Jennifer, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Oh, there's so much, so many books I could recommend. I think one I'm reading right now, which is at the top of my mind, is a book called Why Nations Fail. Mm. The author is a guy called James Robinson and a gentleman, Darren Akamoglu. Sorry, I don't know how to say that. Yeah, it sounds like you know the book, but yeah, it's a really amazing, quite in-depth book around systems change and poverty in nations. Yeah. And I think working in international development, you can just see so much goodwill and money and investment going into projects in countries and, and feel a sense of frustration of why things don't change. But uh, this book is really helping me understand how political structures Social structures all contribute to the, the freedom or the oppression of the people. And it really just comes down to leadership within nations and systems. And I think what's really helping me is, is thinking around, okay, it's not just top down. So it's not just governments having good policies that look after the people, but often, you know, political change comes through the power of the people, almost like social engagement from the grassroots up as well, yeah. of people being able to ask for that change and being empowered to kind of have a voice and, and create change within their country. And I think, yeah, when you're really working in community, helping people be empowered to find their voice as well is so, you know, so critical. So, yeah, I'd recommend that book to everyone. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah, it's been recommended a couple of times before, so it's a, it's a good sign that it's a good read. So, Jennifer, thanks so much for sharing your, your valuable time and insights today. We very much appreciate it, and you've shared some great insights into this pro bono and volunteering world, and we'll certainly look forward to touching base with you again in the future. Great. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.